apples, the pebble thrower. Any tiny gesture, a smile, a touch, a warm, kind, elevating word. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture. Something small can change a life. So just do little tiny baby steps. And frankly, there have been times in my life where I couldn't even take a baby step. I literally had to crawl. Just keep moving forward. That is the key for me. I don't know for anybody else, but for me, it's just move towards the light. And actually, this is so cool, James. I just designed this really neat, and it says live in the light. Yes. Because there's so much darkness in the world. Yes, there is. Aim towards the light and you live as best you can in the light. All good things will happen. Not every moment of every day, but I think living in the light and moving towards the light in a forward direction. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, 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 it's that time again. And here we're going to interview a new guest. Hey, try to keep it new. And we do repeat a few, but uh, yeah, we got a new one here today. And so... I'm all excited about this one. So she's she's tagged and branded herself as Angels in Action, and I didn't even ask the story. I just uh, was captive by the title, the branding, and I want to go ahead and get started. And welcome to the show, and going to help us again, come up with encouragement, try to find a way to get out of some situations, you know, to help us move on in life and have a better life as well. Hey, welcome to the Professor Persa. Uh, Let me spit that out. Puh. Professor of Perseverance Podcast. I am Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance himself. Welcome to the show. And hey, let's go and do this. Author of the book, Embrace the Angel. Welcome to the show, Patty DeMercellis. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Perdue. I really appreciate you having me on. And I'll tell you, like I tell other people, uh, you don't have to do the doctor so much. Um, uh, it's not like I can write out a prescription for you, but I can drive you to your pharmacist if you need me to. So, <laughs> okay. so, so, all right, then. And you're a soon-to-be doctor, aren't you? Say that again, please. You're a soon-to-be doctor. Uh, aren't you well, working on a doctorate? I'm getting my doctorate in patience. In patience, though, we a lot of us need that. That's for sure. So, <laughs> you know, it'd be well earned whenever you think you need it, when you want to put it there. Truly, I do believe that each of us uh, has a life lesson to learn and a life task. I know both. And uh, my life lesson is patience. So I'm, I'm always getting an opportunity to hone my skills. Not to take a lot of thunder from you, but since uh, I'm in a wheelchair, I got my neck broke playing football, and I had to learn patience, sitting, waiting, being thankful. Not that I was ever thankful, but I was always, let's get this thing done. You know, or if someone did something for me, it was, 
Uh, I would just, let's get it done. So one time, like an example, one time my brothers, they went out and washed my car for me. And instead of me saying, man, thank you, it looks great. Dumb me points at the bottom and says, y'all didn't get down there at the bottom right there. Oh, dumb me. And they say, you can wash your car next time by yourself without us. Oh, it's, yeah, I've, I've had to learn patience and gratitude and, and stuff, you know, sitting. And it's it's been a good life lesson to learn. Wow. So, well, so. you definitely have my heartfelt, deep admiration. It's just an incredible thing that you've done with your life. It's just an amazing thing. Well, uh, thank you. And, and picking up this podcast has been... Uh, not as challenging as it could be, I guess, even though it did take me three tries to get it right uh, so far. And I don't know if it's right, but at least we're going strong with it. Uh, and But it, it's been rewarding as well because I get to give other people like you a platform to get out there and people don't have to listen to me all the time. And so it's been very rewarding for me uh, for that. Hey, Nancy, thank you for coming in. Thank you for watching and listening. And today we have Patty. And she's going to talk to us about angels in action. All right, Patty, go ahead and get us started. Uh, give us your story. Well, uh, I was, believe it or not, I was born in the City of Angels uh, at the Queen of Angels Hospital. And uh, the beginnings of my life were very, very difficult. Uh, I was born into an abusive environment. Actually, I remember being in the womb and feeling the blows, so to speak, of my father hitting my mother and all, yelling okay. and screaming and such. So lots of abuse. Um, I had to raise myself and my parents and my siblings, as a matter of fact. Uh, but what that did for me is it actually uh, developed my um, perseverance muscle, if you will. Um, because life is difficult many times. So I was able to um, get, get stronger, actually. Um, I met and married my daughter Amber's father, and um, she was born. I really, really wanted her, and it was a beautiful thing. Um, unfortunately, I thought that I was going to die before she was six. So what I did is I documented our life together so that after I died, she would know me. Um, I was a single mom. I got divorced and um, we ended up homeless. Uh, I was in Connecticut. And so I ended up getting a job in construction. So I would go to all these uh, construction sites and around New Haven, Connecticut. And of course, they would laugh me off the job site and uh, one guy said, hey, if you show up at seven o'clock tomorrow with a tool belt and a hammer, you've got a job. So I did. And I was one of the, you know, very few women at the time working construction. I helped build the Teletrack in New Haven, Connecticut. And there was a Denny's off of I-95 that I worked on, which was really neat. Um, so I was not accepted initially, but once the, the men on the job realized they couldn't break me, then they accepted me into their brotherhood, so to speak. Um, so yeah, I worked in the New Haven Hospital, um, Yale New Haven, and uh, it was quite interesting. I was able to find a room in uh, a woman rented Amber and I a room. She was about three years old, and um, as I'm, it was an August evening in 1979. As I'm stroking her hair, I discovered this 
big lump behind her right ear. And I heard in my head, I, I, my first thought was, oh, my God, cancer. And this was even before I even knew kids got cancer at all. Um, but then I heard, it's not you who will die, it's Amber. And I was just like, oh, my God. So for the next several months, I took Amber to eight different doctors all over the state of Connecticut, and nobody would biopsy it. And they just kept saying, don't worry about it. Lots of kids get lots of lumps and bumps. And I was like, oh, my God. So I ended up, she ended up falling and hitting the lump on uh, it. it it had been steadily growing. She fell and hit it on a fireplace and it doubled in size. So I obviously took her to the emergency room and they operated on her the next day. Um, and the night before she went in for surgery, they were saying, oh, it can't possibly be cancer. And when she came out, it was cancer. It's a type of cancer called rhabdomyosarcoma. It was the muscle, the skeletal muscle surrounding her head, mm -hmm. uh, her skull. And, um, so they excised it. They, they took it off and I agreed to give her radiation. But because I knew it was cancer and nobody would believe me, I was doubting uh, giving her chemotherapy. Um, so I ended up after she had the surgery and radiation, I ended up taking her to with me to the New Haven Register, um, talking to the manager and asking them if I could make a public plea if there's any other cancer therapies anywhere in the world. The Associated Press picked up on it, and so it went all over the world. This was before personal computers. Um, I can remember a time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they, I did a lot of research. As I said, I documented everything, um, and I ended up deciding to give her immunotherapy. Uh, I had to take her to the Bahamas, Freeport, Bahamas, because Dr. Lawrence Burton, he was one of the founders of immunotherapy. And um, he was, they wouldn't allow him to practice at St. Vincent's Hospital in New York City. So he had to go to the Bahamas, Freeport, Bahamas, to, um, to, to give immunotherapy. And as a result of us being in the media, we were on TV and in the news and such. Um, and I didn't want them to take Amber away from me because they did take a little boy in Massachusetts, Chad Green, who's three years old. His parents did not want to give him chemotherapy, so they made him a ward of the court, and like six police cars came and took him away from his parents. This just happened a few months before I discovered the tumor. So I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want them to take her away, and I was doing my best to find a way to save her life without killing her. So we had to sneak out of the country to Freeport, Bahamas, and uh, gave her immunotherapy. Dr. Burton treated her at no cost. And um, people from all over the world, he was on 60 Minutes about two weeks after we arrived. And people from all over the world the next day, I mean, they were coming by air ambulance to, to the clinic. So I ended up, uh, they call it pulling blood, you know, drawing blood. I, I'm not a nurse, but he needed help. Dr. Burton needed help. so. I worked with uh, a lot of the cancer patients around the world. I pulled Amber's blood three times a day and to get her used to having her blood pulled and she had shots, a series of four different shots three times a day at the end. She ended up pulling uh, Gary's blood, my um, second husband, 
uh, she ended up pulling his blood and, you know, kind of got her used to the, the, the shots and the, and the blood draw. Um, and the tumor that started to grow uh, under the scar actually began to flatten out and disappear. But then she got uh, tonsillitis and her immune system couldn't keep it up, keep up mm. the fight. So um, Dr. Burton actually brought a team of surgeons from Montreal to Freeport, Bahamas to see if they could save Amber's life. And in the end, um, the tumor had grown too big. It was about the size of a walnut. It, there was as much inside as, as outside of her head. So because we were in the media and there was a lot of politics around cancer, um, we couldn't find a surgeon that would debulk the tumor, which means just take what you can and the immunotherapy would do the rest. So Dr. Bernie Siegel, um, an amazing man. We're still friends. He said, look, I will take Amber and treat her as my own and I'll assemble a team of surgeons and see what we can do to save her life. So Bernie uh, took Amber into St. Raphael's Hospital in New Haven, Connecticut, and it was an amazing experience. So I feel incredibly blessed that Bernie did try to save her life. But um, in the end, um, I was down in the chapel at the hospital and I just heard, let her come home. So the last month of Amber's life, um, it, it was it was such a beautiful experience. Bernie helped me help Amber cross over and we used spontaneous drawings. Um, Amber, you know, he uses Susan Box spontaneous drawing and um, the last month of her life I have recorded i recorded uh all everything she said um while i was in saint rayfield's she was getting some tests and so i was waiting uh i was buying her something in the gift shop and i heard turn around and i did and i saw this big rack of gigantic golden keys and i heard give this to amber and tell her it's the key to heaven so whenever she feels that she's going to die, she can open the golden gates. And so it was that sort of symbolism that, um, that allowed me to help Amber um, and help myself with her transition. And um, so it was midnight, October 29th, 1980, um, and Gary and I, we were celebrating, we, they sang, Amber and Gary rather, sang happy birthday to me because my birthday, that my 27th birthday was October 30th, the next day. So after we sang happy birthday, then Amber slipped into a coma. She chose what she wanted to die and go to heaven in. And so we dressed her in her clothes. She held on to the key and she died at home. Um, I was telling her, I actually have an audio recording of this and it's, it's the, I transcribed it for her book, Embrace the Angel. And you can get a free um, PDF ebook on our website. Uh, but I was telling her, Amber, thank you so much for coming and showing me what love is. I love you so much. And I was everything I wanted her to know. And as I'm talking, all of a sudden tears started coming down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Gary, she's crying. And he's like, no, I don't think so. So I wiped her, her tears and then a lot of tears started coming down. 
and I realized that she could hear me, but she couldn't respond. So, so tears coming down her face. Yes. When you say tears, so it's not yours at that moment. No, it was no. hers. Okay, okay. Her tears, yeah. And so I realized at that moment that she wasn't afraid to die. Most kids are not afraid to die. I do work with um, people that are dying and children. Um, so when I said the words, go now, Amber, be with God, be with God, Amber, the moment that I said that, she stopped breathing, and I physically felt her spirit merge, went right through my body. It was like when you sit on your leg and you feel that buzzing sound like electricity. My mm -hmm. whole body was buzzing, and I felt it was like a physical miracle that she merged with the divine and went right through me. So the moment of her death was actually the opposite of what I wrote in the journal, how I would respond when she died. I mean, you know, I thought I would collapse because she was my world and mm -hmm. I didn't, it was a, it was a physical miracle that I physically felt her. And because of that gift, um, I'm able to, you know, realize that we change. She said amazing things uh, before she died. And again, uh, how old was she when she died? She was four and a half. Four and a half. All right. But she said to me, Mom, when I die, I'll still be Amber. I'll just be different. And I realized that she was telling me what happens after our bodies die. We don't go away. I didn't lose a daughter. She didn't pass away. She simply changed. So she's with me now. She's with us now. Um, and the other, th the other thing that I remember her saying, um, she said, I was passing through the living room, uh, putting some laundry away, and I heard her. She was about a few days before she died. Um, she was laying in front of the fireplace looking at the flames, and I heard her say something. So I went over there, and I bent down. I said, what did you say, Amber? And she was annoyed that she had to repeat herself, but she said, I said, I know I'm here to help a lot of people. And I realized, I was like, oh my God, I mean, how could she know this? So I've come to understand that for the last 40 plus years, I've worked with the bereaved and I've worked with the critically ill and dying. And I've come to understand that my purpose for being here on earth is to do just this is to share her message and the miracle of her life and death with others. Um, I'm a life coach and an end of life doula, and I'm actually now getting trained through David Kessler. He worked with Elizabeth Cooper Ross and he wrote a couple of books with her. He also wrote a book called Finding Meaning The Sixth Stage of Grief, and he added the sixth stage with the permission of the Ross Foundation. Elizabeth's son. And what I've come to understand is in death and even in life, when you find meaning, um, I think it makes all the difference. So. Well, it's, it's an incredible story uh, with this. Uh, you're the second one that I've talked to, not on my podcast, many, many years ago when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And we I had a uh, 
math teacher, uh, and he was talking about how his daughter, and he was, he was because then I wasn't driving, being in a wheelchair, my family would have to come pick me up after. So I was always the last one there, and so I got to meet him and talk to him, you know, personally, got to know each other. And he was telling how his daughter, and I think she was like seven, and he talked in, about how he felt her spirit and everything go through his fingertips and out. And you're the second person that told me that you felt this. And I would think that would be just a credible gift that you feel that knowing knowing where they're going and the energy coming from there. And I would think that would be just an incredible gift. Truly. And on my 27th birthday, I mean, you know. There you go. You would have what a present. I know. It, it so, really did change the rest of my life forever. And again, we're speaking with the author of Embrace the Angel, Patty. And she said, briefly mentioned, you can get a free ebook. And we'll get to that here in a little bit on where you can go get it on her website from there. So, all right. Now, Patty, a couple of things that come to mind when you were talking was uh, one, uh, becoming a woman construction. So that's, that's pretty cool. I, 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 li- I like a woman that can swing a hammer. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean, that uh, they, my mom, before I got in a wheelchair, uh, she's a single parent. She raised uh, me and me and my other two brothers uh, by herself, mostly. And so, um, but the, I was a, I was a mechanic some, so she would get underneath the car and help me hold the transmission while I'm trying to tighten it and trying to move things underneath the hood and help with the brakes. And so, yeah, women to get their hands dirty, I'm all with them. So uh, it, it, that's cool. And so, well, yeah, and you. I can see there you go, and I can see uh, with your daughter Amber. You're going, I've never drawn blood before, but I can swing a hammer and get some blood if we have to. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah, I do feel, um, you know, I live full time in Angelina. So what you see behind me is my fifth wheel. It's a 28 foot grand design fifth wheel. And I call her Angelina and I pull her with a Ford F-250 Lariat that I call Larry. So I have Larry and Angelina and I'm living in the country and it's uh, next to some amazing friends, um, Larry and Rita and their daughters. And it's just, it feels so good to be in the arms, figuratively speaking, uh, here and be here in Annapolis, which I love. I call it my, the headquarters for my circle of angels. Um, the people here are outstanding. Um, uh, one of the things I, I do, I've done it for several years now, is, um, let me see if I have some here. Yep. So I carry these, I carry these, what I call little pebbles. You can mm-hmm. see them. Yeah. And what I do is wherever I am, I always have some. And so if I'm at a restaurant or, you know, if an attendant in the bathroom or wherever it might be. So I go, I'm a, I said, oh, I have something for you. I'm a pebble thrower in the still pond of life. And people are kind of looking at me like, do I trust her? What is she selling? Is this religious? I don't know. And I just say, choose one for yourself. I hold it out. Choose one for yourself and one for someone you love. So they'll pull it out. It has a cover of the book. I tell them you can have a free PDF on the website. Actually, she's holding the key to heaven here. And so I'll say on the back of the pebble, slash coin there's a special word for you so they peel it off 
And this one happens to be faith. You can see that. Uh -huh. And I've passed out thousands of these little pebbles, these little guardian angel coins as I've traveled around the world. And so it's whatever the word is, there's five. There's faith, love, courage, faith, love, courage, peace. And my favorite is hope. And these little tiny coins have literally changed lives. And what I've come to understand is that we are incredibly powerful, each of us humans, in, in our own unique way. When I throw these pebbles, I'm never meant to know where the ripples will touch. Um, and I have these, I, I created these because of the pebbles and because of the key to heaven. It's, it's the one part of grief and grieving that so far in the last 40 plus years, I haven't seen addressed. And that is when our loved one dies, we miss them. We miss their bodies. We miss their seeing and hearing and touching them. So several years ago, I learned how to paint silk from um, amazing woman, Rebecca Pearson. And I was facilitating a group of bereaved parents. They call them newly bereaved. Their children had just died. And I was thinking, you know, for the mothers, you know, again, you miss the physicalness as well as the presence of the person. And I thought, what if I could paint and embrace the angel's scarf and they could literally feel their loved ones? So I started painting, hand painting these scarves and putting inspirational quotes along the edge. But my hand was ending up like a claw because the demand was so, so big. So I started taking traveling around the world and taking photographs of angels. And I tried to find a place that would be reasonable that I could put these photographs of angels onto real silk. So I made scarves and ties and then pillow covers. That's my favorite. So I have scarves and ties. We have a Be an Angel, Comfort an Angel program with my company, Tobias and Company. And we have that giving back division that we call Embrace the Angel. So for each scarf, tie, or pillow purchased, we donate one to a bereaved mom, dad, or critically ill child. I did and, see those on your webpage. Oh, I just love them, but it's so cool, James. I collected 99 drawings of angels from kids around the world and put them onto a silk pillow, silk satin actually, so that this is a perfect example. Um, I, was, uh, I was researching the lifestyle of living in an RV and Carolyn's RV, she's a YouTuber, she had a contest and she said, hey, if you've got products that you'd like to donate, I'm gonna hold these, you know, to give you like a bump up and just let people know about you. So I donated a scarf, a tie and a pillow. And the woman who, won it she was in florida and she said she wrote me a beautiful email and she said there's a little five-year-old girl that i gave your pillow to her mom who was 29 was dying of cancer and she took that pillow and crawled into bed with her mom and the woman said so after her mom passes she will have this pillow to, to remember her mom by and it just was so beautiful, James, because I have the key to heaven and that's my physical reminder. So these silky angels, I call them, 
um, people can have, you know, uh, and you don't have to have a loved one pass just if you love angels. I mean, a lot of people do love angels. And um, so, yeah, it's a really, really beautiful way to elevate those that are um, that are suffering. And there's so much suffering in the world right now. Hey, if you don't have uh, someone at the moment, a loved one's passed away, which you're blessed if you hadn't experienced that, that yeah. they're still here. Hey, get something for yourself because you're going to go one day and there's an example you can pass down to uh, your, your, your children or husband, wife, you know, somewhere, brother, sister, somewhere. You can pass this gift down just personally for yourself and then the, as, as a hand-me-down. I think that would be great. And I love what you said. This is, I mean, this is one of the reasons I love this podcast I've started is getting to meet a bunch of people, hear their stories, and then get me all fired up. And Nancy's usually here with me, so she gets fired up. And she's already asked uh, about a, uh, you got a messenger page, that uh, what you were talking about with all that. And that would be your web page at the front. And so she can, uh, she uh, said she needs something like that right now. So uh-huh. we'll, we'll work something out with Nancy on this. And, um, but, um, uh, um, oh, what I'm getting to is I love, and we hear it, I don't know if we hear it all the time, we've heard it before, the ripple effect. You know, I thought we'd rock out there and watch the ripple effect. But here you are, not just using the metaphor and everything, you're using it as a real ripple effect, even though we don't see the water rippling. You give to someone, they take a second one to pass it on, and there's your ripple and moving it on. And with that, that's, that's creative and, and thinking, and I really appreciate you doing that. That's awesome. So I want to go back to your five coins. You have <laughs> faith. Keep the last one, hope out for a second. What's the other four? Faith, love. Faith, love, peace, courage. All right. Now let's start with those four. Mm-hmm. If you look closely to me, the majority of us, the world, have some type of faith. We don't have to agree on what it is, but we have some higher faith that we look upon all right courage depending on what your faith is it may take a lot of courage to get out there you know for the way people are today and the courage to move on in life whenever something happens all right love we're all loved somewhere no matter how bad we are even ted bundy his mother said i i don't agree what he did with all the killings but i still love him he's my son so yeah so and then what was the other one? Uh, faith. Um, let's see. Peace. Pe- peace. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to come to peace somewhere in life, whether we passed away, find that peace and where we're being accepted and everything like that. But here's where I think a lot of people are missing is that hope. Me too. Because because if, if we don't have that hope that it's going to be a better day or even a better next week or a better next five minutes, we don't have that hope. You know, what, what do we got to stand on? All the other stuff is irrelevant. So, and yeah. not not to steal the story and everything, but I had lost hope in life years ago and I attempted suicide three times in three days. That's how bad I wanted out. And that's when, after I lived, I saw a psychologist for a year and he's one says, you need to get out and talk and express this hope, perseverance, your message to people. Back then it was just go speak and write a book. And then over time, we've got the internet, YouTube, podcasting, you know, however else we can get our word out now. So, 
Let me ask a question here now, uh, Patty. Before all the great internet and you're pushing out your message, how are you getting your message out other than going to a restaurant or seeing someone at the store? Hey, take this pebble and take a second one and pass it on. Um, I don't know, cold calling, writing letters to anonymous people and sending them out. I, I mean, how, how are you getting your message out before the good old technology kicked in big? <laughs> well, the phone, phone calls, I mean, you know, if you go on embracetheangel.com, basically that's the hub of everything. I mean, I, I'm on Patreon. I'm, I'm launching a really cool Kickstarter campaign uh, called Grace's Angels. This little nine-year-old girl, she, there's a, once we start the Kickstarter, it's, it'll be launched next month. So she, she took this great uh, angel drawing project back to her class, had all the kids draw it. And then she, her mom sent me an audio uh, 45 seconds. It's on the um, embracetheangel.com as well. She said, so I'm going to collect a hundred angels for sick kids around the world. And that's what she's been doing. And so we're, we're going to launch that on Kickstarter. Um, but there's a, I was, you know, reaching out to the media, basically uh, the news media, the reporters, um, people have followed the story through the media for a very long time. WBAL in Baltimore um, since I've moved here to Annapolis and, uh, yeah, just the media newspapers, the associated press again, you know, they've, they've carried the story and, you know, the good old fashioned, uh, newspapers and TV before the and internet. To, and to anybody that would listen. Anybody. Well, I try not to preach because. No, no, yeah, there's a difference than, yeah. than pushing it, than yeah. encouraging. Yeah. There's yeah. a difference. So, yeah, I try to be gentle because, you know, let's be honest. I mean, no one wants to talk about death and dying. I shouldn't say no one because there's a great community. Um, when I became. No, it's, 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 a, it's a taboo. It's yeah. a taboo, you know, Something, that uh, yeah. uh, people don't want to talk about it until it's that time. And yeah. when they should be preparing for that time to make it easier on your loved ones. And well, so and I've, I've always said, I've always told my family that when I'm dead and gone here, I, I would never tell someone how to do a funeral. I mean, whatever they think's best. Hey, I'm all for it. I have no way would I say anything bad, but I'm one of them. I don't see putting eight thousand, ten thousand dollars in a coffin in a grave. I'd rather them have a big old party that I'm gone. And even to save me more money, don't cremate me. We're over to over to funeral home. Just throw me up on the barbecue and and cremate me. <laughs> now I know legally I know legally they can't do that, but I'm um, said I'd prefer y'all just take that money and have a great big old party and celebrate life and and go from there. But I would never again tell anyone how to conduct that because it's a personal decision, and yeah, I would never uh, try to sway anybody either way. Yeah. No. Yeah, you know, I'm learning a lot from David Kessler, and I'm really excited um, to be certified as a grief educator. Uh, but yeah, you know, people that are grieving are not broken. They don't need to be fixed. They need you to hold sacred space and, you know, validate that their feelings are completely natural. Um, but you, you don't have the right to take their grief away. So... Yeah, I'm really, I'm just so blessed to be working with people that are, you know, serving them really, um, that are dying and grieving. It, to me, it's to be held in trust and to be honored to share 
their deepest tears and grief and sorrow. Wow, to me, there's no greater honor on this earth than serving those that are grieving and those that are dying. That is powerful, yeah, especially, you know, when that time has come that we're all going to go. That uh, as a friend of mine who worked in Purity Milk once says, the expiration date has come up. And so, <laughs> not that he died, but not that he died, but we're all got an expiration date. We just don't know it uh, for it. But he was going in retirement, is what he said, and really? retiring from the business. But he said the expiration date has come up. And we're all going to experience that. And But yeah. to have someone there at your side, I mean, it had to have been hard last year with COVID. You know, the people weren't allowed in the hospitals to be with the ones dying and them dying alone or dying with strangers. You know, the nurses, the doctors, they had no clue who they were, but they were doing the best they can to comfort them. And man, that had been so difficult on all parts. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to be part of that or witness it. Um, but man, that, that had to be so difficult last year. So, well, even this year, I mean, when you, I mean, it's, it's not over. That's for sure. No, it's not. Yeah. Even this year. Exactly. And, you know, really the silky angels, they feel such a great need that people have to be touched, to be surrounded by angels, you know, in their time of need. And, um, yeah, I really feel blessed that God gave me the skills and tools and talent. I'm just blessed. I mean, and, and I, I couldn't possibly keep that to myself, you know? And, and, and it's, it's incredible to me that you, sorry, you found your purpose. So, so young in life with your daughter passing, but it's a man, it's a noble, well worth, amazing gift to give to someone uh, that's grieving and, and going through the process of dying and so I'm glad that you're there and the other people that are angels that are going along with that to make it easier for that transition, for them to be comfortable and go from there. So talking with Patty, Embrace the Angel. Go ahead now, Patty, tell us how your website and stuff, other social media, how we can get a hold of you in case anybody wants to get with you. Sure. Um, well, embracetheangel.com. Um there's, you know, there's a really, really cool video, a two-minute trailer for uh, that has me and it has Angelina and Larry. Um, it's really, really cool. I actually hitched her up on my own, of course, surrounded by my circle of angels, figuratively speaking. Um, but I hitched her up, drove a thousand miles to Florida last winter, stayed there for the winter, and then drove a thousand miles back. And wow, was I proud. Um, You know, it was challenging at times. And there was somebody that had come by, a few people, they were like in Florida. They saw me and they saw this and they knew that I was a single woman. And they're like, you towed this all by yourself? And I looked at it and I'm like, oh. That's (laughs) right. That's right. You go, oh, whoa. I had that with me. Hey, I can can swing a hammer. I can drive this. Well, they would say, you're so brave. And I'm like, brave me? Because I know myself when I'm sitting at the bottom of the shower crying in, in you know, despair. Um, but I, I really came to realize, actually, there's on the YouTube channel, the Embrace the Angel YouTube channel, I talk about this. And I came to realize that there's the brave, bravery or courage 
there's a sacred space between, oh my God, and holy crap. There's that sacred space there. That's where bravery lives. And I can't be there all the time. Sometimes you're going to be in holy crap and sometimes, oh my God. Yep, that's right. But then I realize it's like a teeter-totter. It's that special pivot point that you can go to and you can dwell in sometimes, but you can't always live there. In science, we call that pivot point a fulcrum. So it's a fulcrum. So, oh, really? All right. Oh, yes. Uh, I, uh, I was a science teacher for a while, and that pivot point is a fulcrum. Yes. Fulcrum. So, uh, uh-huh. And so, uh, all right. Hey, um, I, I'm, I'm glad I glad you got to bless me and bless others being on here. This, this is incredible, Patty. And I was going to ask you something, and then I didn't got that uh, sometimes going on with me. And so, uh, <laughs> but uh, when you mentioned your website and uh, YouTube yep. and other, you got any other social media? I'll, I'll put those in the yeah. description for anybody yeah, to make it I easier can, for them just to click on it. So yeah, I can just, send you the links. We have, um, we're, we're fully, fully, uh, we're just really, you know, spreading our word. But one of the coolest things I'm doing right now, I'm in the stage, I am planning the Power of Pebbles and Angels nationwide tour in the spring. Oh, yes. So and that's really need- exciting. And you yeah, need to be you need to be recording, videotaping your interactions yeah. with people. Yeah, uh, yeah. To, 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 it's going to be powerful on, for other people to see that. I think so, so too. Yeah, yeah. that, and then you can uh, take all, take some of this stuff and get their stories as well. And there's yeah. another book. <laughs> so I'll come I like scoop a, you up, James. <laughs> I like if you come through close to Nashville, Tennessee. Then uh, we can meet up, and I can give you my story. And I would love to get these pebbles and everything too uh, with the coins. So, but I was going to mention a minute ago. You know why people say we're so brave in certain yeah. areas? It's because they've never experienced driving. You know your your big rig like you did, and so they're thinking, man, a, a single woman, and probably looking at your age as well. And they're going, yeah. man, you're so brave to take it down a hill or up a hill, you know, and, and uh, uh, st- uh, a st- uh, stern uh, incline, you know, a steep incline is what I'm saying. And so, yeah, so when someone has an experience, I mean, I've had people say, I couldn't do what you're doing in a wheelchair. Well, you don't know because you're not in a wheelchair. So unless you experience something, you don't know how brave you really are. And also... I think we go through some things in life, maybe not everything, but it teaches us how strong we really are. And again, we can use all this information to prepare us for the next event, tragedy, situation, problem comes in life. And then we can, uh, the biggest thing, like you mentioned earlier, we can also assist and help other people. That's the key. I mean, you know, I'm brave sometimes. Sometimes I'm very scared. And other times when I know I need help, I'll ask for it. I really will. Asking for help for me because I was raised and I had to basically be independent and do everything. Now I'm not afraid to ask. Yeah, um, I had another uh, guest a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago, and she is her her main thing. She says, "Don't be afraid to ask for help." Where people that don't ask, they view it as a weakness. If I have to ask, that shows how weak I am. 
in contrary, she says, when you ask for it, that's how strong you are to realize your limitations and ask for help to be able to succeed in where you want to do or go. Yep. Well, one thing I know for sure, and Amber taught me a lot, I'm never alone. And I'm always surrounded by my circle of angels, whether I can see them with my eyes or see them with my heart. They're always around me. And you are part of my circle now, James. That's and right. And I'm sisters. glad to be there. And I'm definitely glad that you and our, uh, you and I are a path has crossed for us to uh, encourage and be angels with each other and help other people. So me I'm too. definitely glad for that. So, well, Patty, thank you for being on. I'm going to ask you one more thing here, if you don't mind. That uh, We know there's people struggling. And I don't care what area it is. Um, you know, they're hurting and struggling. If you can give some type of powerful message to help them get through today to make it possible to see that hope for tomorrow. If you can do that for us, that'd be great. Well, let me just say this. This little tiny, tiny pebble has transformed lives. And I am just the thrower. I'm just the thrower of the pebbles, the pebble thrower. Any tiny gesture, a smile, a touch, a warm, kind, elevating word. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture. Something small can change a life. So just do little tiny baby steps. And frankly, there have been times in my life where I couldn't even take a baby step. I literally had to crawl. <laughs> That's right. Just keep moving forward. That is the key for me. I don't know for anybody else, um, but for me, it's just move towards the light. And actually, this is so cool, James. I just designed this really neat oh, sticker. Yes. And it says, live in the light. Yes. Because there's so much darkness in the world. Yes, if there you is. Aim towards the light and you live as best you can in the light. Um, all good things will happen. Not every moment of every day, but I think living in the light and moving towards the light um, in a forward direction. When the person is going through that tunnel of struggles and they see that light at the end of the tunnel and yeah. realize it's not a freight train coming, they know <laughs> they have beat it. They know yeah. that good things are on the on the horizon for them. Yeah. Patty, thank you for being here. I mean, you've been an amazing person, and I love, again, sorry for the suffering earlier, but for you to take so much greatness out of that struggle and have Amber there with you to encourage you to push it on, that's, that's just a godly thing, and I'm glad he was able to do that with you. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time. And just want to thank all your listeners. Um, I've listened to your podcast as well, and I've gotten so much inspiration from all the folks you've had on. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it, James. Thank you. And anyone else that's coming in on the replay, be sure to share this out to someone. You don't have to have a child that's passed away. You don't have to be a spinal cord injury in a wheelchair like me. But the message of providing hope and persevering, pushing through trials and tribulations, still the same. It's going to help someone. So, and, you know, they say, uh, Patty, this uh, stuff on the Internet is going to be there forever. So 100 years from now, someone's going to get inspired and motivate and encourage and find that hope from you. So. Hey, hey, James, I have one yeah. really quick quote. Go it's, ahead. By, it's by George Isle. 
And he, and whenever someone gets the hope coin, I always let them know this, that hope is faith holding out its hand in the dark. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Hope is faith beautiful? holding out his hand in the dark. Yeah. Now, let me ask this question here and we'll get ready to get off. Now, when you pass out your pebbles and the coins on the backside, do you know what coin it is? Is there some marking on there that you go, uh, they look like they need hope. Let me get this hope coin. Or is it just a, yeah. a big surprise for you as well? It's a big surprise. It's been it's been profound, let me tell you. Yeah. It really has. So, all right. Thank you, uh, Patty. It's been Thanks remarkable so discussing and, and interviewing. And everyone else, do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.